Good morning, everybody. Hopefully you're having an outstanding Friday. It's hard to believe it's Friday, man. This week flew by. So let me just jump into it because I know we have a, a guest that I'm going to introduce here in a minute. But before we jump into that, welcome to Break the Cycle with DSD. I'm your host, Dwayne. I am not a therapist, nor am I, am a, nor am I an attorney. Easy for me to say. I'm an individual much like you that's had to develop some tips and techniques throughout an eight to nine year experience that uh, I have used to keep maintain my sanity that I share with you to help you do the same, help you break the cycle of toxic abuse, repair the relationships or strengthen the relationship with your kids and basically just get your life back. Remember that only a licensed professional can diagnose an individual with a personality disorder. I always say that because the last thing you want to do is go around, start telling everyone that you through your internet degree, have determined what mental disorder your ex, or personality disorder your ex has, and start throwing that around. It can get you in trouble. It hurts your credibility. Focus on the patterns of behavior, not on diagnosing somebody, especially when you're talking to other people. Obviously, learn about what's going on so you understand it, but don't, don't cross that line. You want to get the SMS notification of when the show goes live? You can do that by... Texting DSD Live to 844-598-0012, and that'll put you on the SMS list. I'm going to go back over here. If you want to support the channel, you can do so by becoming a channel member. You can do that over by going to youtube.com slash divorce. Look for the join button, and when you join, you get special emojis, custom badges, all kinds of cool stuff, plus access to member-only events and the member-only Discord. And I'm not sure if we're going to do the phone lines today, so we'll have to double check and see how that goes. Uh, but if I do, let me just throw this up here. The numbers is 1424-373-5483, 1424-373-5483, or DSD, or 1424-DSD-LIVE. There's also a web interface if you want to try to call in. Uh, what, what we'll do is we'll run through some of this, and if we get to the point where questions, uh, somebody wants to call in, we might do that. Uh, just make sure when you to ask a question or if you want to do that, just make sure you tag me, do at DSD in the live chat and put a cue in there and then kind of say what you want to do. And we'll either talk about it that way or if you want to call in, just say you want to call in. And on that, let me introduce, um, and I, I forgot to ask to double check how to say her name. Yana heard if I'm saying that correctly. And she is a uh, specialist who focuses on reestablishing and rebuilding father-daughter relationships she does that by leveraging her experience to assist fathers in understanding what their daughters are going through when their relationships have been badly damaged from high-conflict divorces or even from fathers who just want to strengthen it. And just so you know, I wrote that. That wasn't what she gave me. So if I completely butchered that, I apologize. But let's let's welcome Yana. Am I saying your name correctly? Are you there? Yes, you do. And with the, okay. Yes, I am. Can you hear me? I can. I can. I was a little worried there for a second. <laughs> No, it's fine. Um, no, you said that, okay, the last name, I don't really expect anyone to, to hit it like perfectly because it's a very German name and it's not easy to pronounce for like anyone who isn't familiar with the German pronunciation, but it's fine. Jana is awesome. And normally people know me by Jana. That's all. And and I just want to say for, for folks who, I, I know a lot of people on my side are looking for information on YouTube. Your primary uh, platform is actually Instagram. So that's why if people are looking for, I mean, she does have a YouTube channel, but that's not really where she focuses most of her social media attention. You'll find her live streams 
and a lot of her stuff on Instagram. And there's links in the show notes and in the video description to find all that out. So on that, I just wanted to give you a moment just to kind of what talk about your experience and how you came to, to want to make this an, um, a, a field, I guess, that you're working in. So, you know, what got you into this? Well, yes. Um, it's always interesting when people ask that because it reminds me all the time that it really is a very rare um, niche to coach in. And I guess it is so because it's very personal and I couldn't have done that or even you know come up with the idea that this is what I really want to do unless I would have this life experience um and I'm actually fatherless myself I was born in Germany my family is actually German but when I was three my mom moved with me to Spain so I spent most of my life in Spain actually so I was raised in several languages too and my father never really was in the picture um, not consistently, of course, he was there like a few times only. I have only a few memories where I got to spend a few hours with him somewhere. But let's say that I have this abandonment wound that is very typical in fatherless daughters. Um, it was pre-internet time, so there was no Skype, there was no emails. Um, you needed to call. I mean, you, you know that. We needed to call, and it was very expensive to call internationally. Um, we needed to write letters, and if people didn't do that, you were kind of lost. So I grew up um, not knowing for many years of my childhood and development years where my father was, if he was alive or dead, um, and wondering why he wasn't interested in me. So I know what it is to have that kind of development where a reliable father figure is actually totally missing. Um, to grow up with a single mom and to be in danger really and repeating the cycle. That's why I love it when you say breaking cycles because I became very aware that I was perpetuating a cycle when I started you know, becoming a mom and very soon I was divorced and suddenly I was a single mom. And I thought, my God, I didn't want this. I didn't want to repeat this whole thing. I seem not to be any smarter, you know, or any better than my mom or my grandmother. What is happening? So I decided that, I mean, I was into personal development anyways, but I decided to work very hard on myself to diagnose all my false beliefs and the biased views I had on men, on fathers due to my upbringing. Um, so I could help myself and my daughter so she can grow up differently. Um, and once I became a coach, I was a few years in and I said, well, there is still something I think I could give to people and I haven't really found it. So then I got in touch with a professional who would help me find my special, let's say, issue to help people with. And it was actually the fatherlessness issue and the relationship between dads and daughters, the reconnecting, the rebuilding of the whole relationship. And I came up with let's say at least 40% of the material I today use by seeing what my father, my biological father, was never able to do or to learn or to help me do or us do. So now I can help other fathers do it. That's, that's outstanding. I mean, there's so many, 
You know, I guess there's so many resources for, for women. There's not as many for men. So to have that perspective is, is really needed. And I like what you said about, about taking a moment and realizing, holy crap, I'm, there's this pattern repeating. And if I, or if you don't do something to change it, you're just going to basically generate, you know, create the next, the next, uh, the next stage of that. I mean, that's, uh, that's phenomenal. I'm, I'm really glad you're doing that. Actually, there's a question that just came up that, uh, actually I was going to ask anyways, but I'll go ahead and, and grab this one from T solo that, uh, says, uh, uh, question, how do I handle my ex constantly telling my daughter that I, the dad doesn't under, uh, don't understand girls and she shouldn't be with me uh, with problems or come to him with problems. And I've actually experienced that myself. So how would you help? Uh, what, what advice would you have on that? Um, that's a really interesting question. It's always very difficult to give advice in a way that you could easily take it and apply it like one-on-one -on -one because I don't know enough about you, but uh, it's of course very sad. I'm very sorry you're going through that because it's very hurtful and it's painful to see that there are, you know, other forces, especially the mom, you know, doing this negative talk about the dad, which she should never do, actually, no matter if she likes you or not. Um, children's business should be children's business. She should be allowed to love you and to come to you with everything. And the mom should keep it to herself, of course, if she doesn't like you or feels angry about you. This shouldn't be your daughter's business. Um, what I think is that, of course, if your daughter and, and her mom are very close um, and she lives with her most of the time, of course, it's always very delicate to tell your daughter like, no, what mommy's saying is not true or everything your mom says isn't true because you don't want to do the same and communicate to your daughter that you think negatively about the mom because the mom is an authority figure and I guess, you know, she needs to be able to confide in her mom too, which makes it very difficult because you don't want to harm something that somehow your daughter needs to work if she needs to live there. She needs to survive there, so to speak. Um, I think it always helps to give your daughter clarity with actions because children see the actions even more than what you say. And if your daughter says, look, mommy says you don't understand girls, you can say, well, I don't know why mommy says that, because I think I understand you very well. You're my daughter and daddies can know their daughters very well. And if she says, well, but, you know, mommy says I shouldn't come to you, then I would say, well, I don't know why she says that or why she has that feeling, but you can always come to me with whatever problem you have. And um, you should feel comfortable with it. I'm always here to listen. So to show the positive side always and that you're transparent will always help your daughter. And when she gets older, children start seeing who was the parent who was always transparent and who always was well-intended and it felt good and who the other parent is who was always telling me strange things. But then by the actions of my dad, I saw that wasn't true. So they follow your actions and your example. And for me, it's important to tell dad that no matter how bad the conflict, it's going to be better for your daughter to know that you were always doing the right thing and behaving properly and not bashing the mom or doing the same. She needs to learn the good behavior from somewhere. <laughs> so this is what I could tell you in my ignorance, because I don't know you enough. I haven't been talking to you. 
if this serves you even a bit, would be very, very happy. Yeah, the, the other thing I would just <clears throat> add on to that, because I, I have actually experienced kind of similar what he was talking about. And one of the ways it, it, it happened for me was um, it was really weird because when my girls started playing sports, they had to get sports physicals. And, and initially the mom wouldn't take them. So I was taking them. But then as soon as she got involved, it was, it was like, oh, no, 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 that's a mommy thing. You can't do that anymore. And it actually kind of hurt my feelings. You know, I mean, I kind of took it personally at first. And realistically, and I know for people who are, you know, for my audience, I say this a lot. It's like you got to focus on the war, not the battle. That, in my mind, is a battle. And, you know, you can make a big issue out of something like that, and it's not really going to help you. I mean... So, you know, for other issues, and I can understand because I've, I have gone through this. It's like, well, you don't understand, you know, the girl specific issues because you're a guy, you don't have to deal with it. I'm like, well, okay, you know, yeah, that's true, you know, but there's certain things you do need to tell me because there's certain things we need to have in the house and, you know, stuff like that. So, um, it's just, I think take with what you said and just, I mean, that's, it's, you have to look at it from the long term. These aren't going to be huge victories that happen right at the beginning it's going to be like what Yana was saying is, you know, you, you develop patterns of behavior that the kids later as they grow up are going to realize, oh, wow, you know, daddy was always there for me. He was always honest. You know, whenever I needed something, he would answer the call. He gave me the appropriate attention and, and stuff like that. Would you agree with that? Yes, of course. I mean, it, it's a long-term thing. It's a marathon. I always tell that also to dads. It's not a sprint. It's not showing like who's better today or oh today I, I i won and another piece of advice i can give and i know it from a little girl from my you know environment actually i know her personally she had a mom who also was a control freak and she also used to say a lot of things to her daughter that were not really true um and then she started asking her dad who was my friend why does mom lie she was five and she could sense that the mother was not transparent. And she said, why does mom say things that aren't true about you and others? And he told her, he said, look, honey, some people lie or just tell half of the truth sometimes because they're scared of losing people, of losing you, of losing attention. And sometimes they even don't realize that they're lying. And that was a very good technique for the daughter because then she said like, well, okay, so it's sad that she needs to lie, but I see that everything is okay with you. So children can learn very fast if you speak clearly to them. And if they see that for you, it was never about arguing or about winning. It was, it was about her and about you having the good relationship with her. And I think, yes, it's, it's definitely a long-term thing. So let me ask you this. Um, and this is, I mean, I, heck, I would like to know the answer to this too is, uh, what are girls looking for from their fathers? You know, especially in this environment, whenever, mm. you know, you have a toxic relationship that's falling apart and, you know, the dad was there every day and now isn't for whatever reason. I mean, what would a father need to know to better understand their, their daughter going through that? Mm. Um, I guess it's a little bit, some, some stuff that daughters want from their dads, I think is universal to pretty much all daughters. And then it depends on if the dad is still there in some way or if he's totally absent or gone for long periods of time, then some other needs can come with that 
that are not common for all daughters. Um, the things that are universal, I would say, the girls, of course, want to feel loved by dad. They want to be seen. They want to know that they're good, that daddy likes them as the girls and people that they are. And they want to feel protected also. They want to know that dad, you know, got their backs and is going to step in and defend them. They might not even know that consciously, but that's what daughters, you know, feel good with knowing that dad is there to protect them from, you know, from whatever. And, um, and also, of course, they want to, they want to feel and know that they're accepted and respected. And I know that many little girls maybe wouldn't say that if you ask them, what do you want from your daddy? Maybe they wouldn't word it like this and say, I want him to respect me, but they feel very hurt if they feel disrespected by their father or if they, they already see that he disrespects the mother, then they of course know that they might not be respected as well because they see they model what they see and they absorb what they see their parents do. So I think these are a few very important aspects and they need attention because that's what, happened when, what happens when your father is like me you struggle with attention and you later on, if you didn't have attention from your father, you start doing very weird things. Some things even dangerous or very risky to get male attention because you desperately need it and you don't realize that that's what you didn't get. No, that's a great point. I mean, and you know, sometimes people think it's like, okay, well, I'll just, I'm a, I want to go back to what you were talking about with pr protected because I think that sometimes people lose sight of that and they think that it's, uh, you know, kind of like what that means, right? I mean, it, it's, and I wanted to ask you clarification on that. So, I mean, so like even I would assume what you're trying to say is that protected in like even fighting for them in court and, and just showing up and, and showing that the, that let me back up. What I mean is I, I've seen this in the past where, where people, kids will say, well, I, I don't, you know, I don't want to see you this time or whatever. They're kind of like, you know, trying to mess with the visitation schedule. And sometimes the dad will just say, okay, you know what, you got other things going on. And then later they'll hear that, well, you never fought for me. You never cared. You never, you know, expressed an interest. And, and you can in the moment think that you're doing the right thing. And in some ways it's kind of a test or they're kind of being pushed by the other parent. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Like in that regard too? Yes, in that regard, too, of course. I mean, protection does not only mean to protect them from, from bullies or from an, a rude person on the street or from violent people or from, from themselves, maybe even when they're young and they can't make the right decisions so the father can guide them so they don't make, you know, those mistakes that can be putting them at risk. But also that, I mean, protection also means that they fight for them because they are the most important thing. And I actually had this issue with a client of mine today that we were having our one-on-one uh, -on -one conversation. And he said to me, he didn't use the word fight, but he said, well, Jana, I think sometimes I wasn't assertive enough and I wasn't actually acting in a way that I, you know, he said, I need to rethink what kind of a father I wanna be and be way more assertive and assume my role with more security because my daughter, otherwise she gets insecure and she gets mixed messages. 
And he was asking me like, am I right? And I said, yes, she needs a father to have her back. And that means also he needs to show that he's strong and he will not, you know, put up with certain things because she's too young and she can't make certain decisions. So sometimes you also need to decide for her. So all of this conversation when, oh, the daughter doesn't want to visit her dad or no, she just doesn't want to go. This still baffles me every time I hear it because I've, I mean, I'm divorced too. I know how it is to feel angry and to not co-parent well for a certain time, maybe because things are difficult. But if your child has to go to school or to the ballet or piano training that you're paying or stuff like that, you make them go. You don't listen to them all the time when they're 12 or 14 and say, oh, but I don't feel like going today. So why do you let them decide that they're not going to spend the time with their father when that's one of the most essential parts in their development and if a daughter is angry like no i don't want to see you today you always need to think where that comes from of course well let's put it this way i know you know this but many people are not that aware a child doesn't have a fully developed brain till age you know last research shows age 21 and the the brain develops from bottom to top and the last part to develop is the prefrontal cortex here. And if you look it on, up on Wikipedia, it's a great description they have on there. I looked that up. The prefrontal cortex is in charge of making decisions, of measuring risk and consequences, of measuring how social interaction will work depending on what they say, what they do. Um, and those are all these things that when you see teenagers, you think, oh, my God, how can they not get that this is dangerous? Or how can they answer this way to me? Do they not see how it makes me feel? No, they can't. They're not capable. So even if you have a daughter that is really mature for her age and people notice her for that, she isn't capable of making certain decisions or in acting in ways that are rational. So. A father can't take it always that seriously. And like you mentioned before, that personal, if a daughter says, but I don't want to see you and I'm angry and I want, don't, don't want to do this now, she will need you to show a lot of strength. Like, look, you're not capable of doing this now. I'm going to take the pressure off and just decide it for you. And you want to be angry for a few hours maybe, but I don't mind because I'm interested in your ultimate well-being. And that's also part of the, protection. Uh, does this make any sense? Yeah, yeah. No, actually, it, it really does. And I just want to, I can throw out a little, a little example, not so much with the kids not wanting to see me, but I had one who got into sports uh, early, was doing soccer, did it for a couple of years. And then on the third year, you know, she decided she wanted to do it. And then once it started, it's like, um, well, now I don't. And I'm like, no, you, you committed, you know, you, you said, yes, you're going to go. You don't get to just say, no, I'm not going to go, you know, just because you're bored with it or whatever. Um, and I think that the thing is, is that kids, when we hold firm on things and provide structure, that also makes them feel safe, right? It's like, oh, okay, this person really does care. They do yes. pay attention. They do want me to do what's right. And, you know, even if they push back, and I struggle with this because I would hold firm, they would get angry and then it would be, you know, very incredibly stressful <laughs> to say the least. And then things would calm down. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to look, there was a couple other comments. I need to see if I can find it real quick. Uh, there was one. Okay. 
uh, I'm not sure if you, I'll have to read it to you. I don't think you'll be able to see it. Oh, geez. Where'd it go? No, I think I don't. Um, oh, come on. I, I had it and I moved my cursor and now I'm trying to, oh, here it is. So Merge had said, uh, uh, Yana, are you surprised to hear that in his situation that my daughter's emotional needs are met by the dad, him, and not the mom? Uh, why will some moms be threatened by this? And what's happening with him is he has an outstanding relationship with his daughter, who's now, if I remember correctly, either 11 or 12. And his, I mean, really good connection. I mean, he has a strong connection, but his ex is constantly trying to drive wedges uh, mess with custody and stuff like that. So have you seen that a lot where, where some mothers are just not able to provide those emotional needs? Yes, of course, big time. I mean, I always say every time people post stuff, uh, people that are also a little bit on the father's side, you know, movement, because you start to see this more, luckily, that fathers stand up and talk about these things openly. and you see many mothers who have these very, I mean, I have to say disgraceful behaviors because that, those are the moments where I feel a bit ashamed even for these women. Um, and I always say they have serious issues and most of these moms really need help because those things don't come just from nothing. And a lot of moms who feel so threatened by the dad, like having such a big connection with the daughter, they often feel jealous because they feel that they're like not getting that connection with the daughter and somehow it seems so easy for him. You know, why does she prefer him over me? But that comes from an insecurity and from low self-worth oftentimes. Because if you're a person who's fulfilled and who knows her worth and who has a life, you know, life by design and has activities to enjoy and people that love her and then you don't need approval all the time, like from your kid or to see, oh yeah, look, I'm such a good mother and I have such a good connection with my daughter. I mean, what is wrong about that, that her daughter has a great connection with that? You shouldn't have a problem with that. You should celebrate it because many daughters don't. So I always say they have issues with themselves and they often would need support and therapy or self-work to see where that comes from. And I have to say, many mothers who struggle with these things had bad father-daughter relationships as well, or yeah. didn't have a father at all, or really have problems with attention. This is a very you know, simple way to put it. The same as you, I'm not a therapist, although I always happen to be friends with many people who are in that field. Um, and my mother was trained in in you know in children's psychology and stuff like that as well so i heard that in my home so much and i saw her also sometimes being flooded in other things not in this i mean she would she would have loved us to have better relationships with our dads well my sister had a dad she had a relationship with i didn't so i really think they have issues and it's very difficult to do when the reactions of the mom are always you know, not pleasurable at all, to say the least. Um, but sometimes we need to really think of them in terms of, well, I'm sorry, you cannot enjoy me having this connection with my daughter. You know, what's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> like sometimes we all only yeah. can wish them better, you know, that they find it in themselves not to feel threatened by that. There is something in them that is missing. 
I had a guest the other day or a, a therapist who we were talking about this and preparing for the holidays and how toxic people or narcissistic people will ruin things because they can't experience it. And I could see how this ties in with that because if they're unable to have that relationship and they're jealous of it, then they obviously want to destroy it because it's, it's hitting a, tr- a triggered point on them. I did, I did want to jump into yes. another, uh, this is a really good question from uh, T solo. Uh, he says, you know, how do I give a teenager their space, but at the same time show them we want to be involved in their life. And I get this question quite a, mm. quite a bit. Uh, you know, I mean, once kids get to a certain age, they start trying to set their own boundaries and stuff. And whenever you're limit, limited with time, you know, so what I've, I've actually got this question a lot. So what's your take on this? <laughs> yeah, I hope I do well. <laughs> um, because I always have on my very personal way of explaining things, maybe because English is not my first language. So forgive me if it sometimes sounds a little bit uh, messy or, you know, freestyle. Um, yeah, teenagers. I mean, like I mentioned, you know, the fully, the not fully developed brain, we always need to take that into account that maybe they might not get what we want them to get, um, like right away. Um, I think open communication is very important. So we need to really sit down with a daughter and say, and say, look, um, maybe, you know, take the, the, the stiff, seriousness out of it make it more playful and maybe when you're doing something together and you're relaxed and she's receptive there you can say look I was thinking about something um, I've heard from that family you know they have kids your age and they always wanted to respect their privacy so much that they didn't engage in the conversations with them anymore they didn't know what they were doing anymore and in the end you know it escalated in problems and the children then said well but you were never there and they said, well, we thought we didn't want us to be there. So I don't want to have those kind of sad misunderstandings with you. I would like us to always be able to communicate. And at the same time, I know you're a little bit more grown up now. And I want you to, to have your privacy, which is very important that you know what privacy is. And I need to respect it. And I want to do that. So if they say, please, can you close the door now? I want to do something in my room alone. Of course, yes, but you know, at this time, I would like you to come outside because we're going to to do this, and then you're the one deciding what you're going to do. So we give the teenagers far too many choices nowadays, and it often is too much. So it gives them an even more calm, like in spirit, <laughs> and um, and it relaxes them and takes pressure off their shoulders if you don't let them or expect them to be able to decide every single thing. So when they're at dads or at moms or whatever, the adult is the one, of course, having a plan about what to do today. So of course, that's another point. You need to have things you want to do with your teenagers so they get used to you doing things with them. It's very bad if a teenager starts bored, you know, being super bored and wandering around and they start playing computer games 10 hours a day, not because they're addicted, because they were bored and they didn't see you interested in doing anything with them. This actually happens, and the parents are astonished when you tell them, like, look, I asked your child, and he said, well, I'm actually bored, and my father doesn't do anything with me. He watches TV. So, of course, we need to talk to them, to know them, and see how we can best connect, and be very honest with them that this is important to us. 
You know, it's, it's interesting you say that because I remember a conversation I had, and this was with my son, but still it kind of dove, dovetails with what you're saying. I remember early on, whenever we were at the, moved into this house, didn't have a TV, didn't have an Xbox, didn't, I mean, we didn't have anything. And I remember having a conversation with him and he said, I can't remember what the details were, but it was something along the lines of that. Well, I'm bored at, I'm bored at mom's house but I'm not bored at your house. Cause it was kind of like, well, why are you calm here? Or, 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 you know, or something was different. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember the, the details, but, but it was really shocking to me. Cause I was like, wait a minute, I have nothing. All I can give you is my time and my attention. You have, you know, how you have all the yeah. board games, you have the computer games, you have, you know, the Xbox, you have yeah. all this stuff and you're bored. But that, I mean, I think that's a great example of what you just said because it, it and it actually yeah. was shocking to me because I felt like I was, you know, we didn't have all those other things so that they would be bored with me, but they weren't. No, they're not bored that easily. If you give them an environment where they can maybe be bored for an instant and look at what, what would I actually like to do right now? And sometimes they want to cook something or they want to help you do something in the home or, you know, teenagers actually should be engaged way more in day-to-day activities with the parents. So Look at, you know, 60 years ago, the father said, oh, I'm going to repair the car. Just come with me. You're going to hold the tools for me or you're going to look if somebody comes along. Maybe the neighbor wants to help. And it was a thing that you were included in day to day activities. And that's why you learned about life. You learned some skills. You were spending time with your dad or your mom. And it was expected as a natural thing that you take part in that. Today, it's like, no, this is adult activities. And children need their own activities all the time. Yes, it's true. When they play with kids, let them play with kids. Don't get involved all the time. But they need to know also that they're included in your life. You're not all day doing your work. Then you come home. They come from school. And then you do your thing. He does his thing. And then it's like, okay, what can we do together? So we need to plan something, find some. Maybe it even costs money. So now we have expenses to do something And the children often don't appreciate that more just because it's an outdoor, fancy, expensive thing. They would be fine doing something with you in the home. That means sharing that time and giving them undivided attention. That's very important. And actually the data and figures and research on that always shows the same, no matter in what culture, it's not only the West, no matter in what culture and what social strata, Um, children who spend time with their parents this way, day to day, really normal, they are better socially adjusted and don't have that much, you know, attention problems, self-esteem problems, whatever. And they're better, better in socializing with people also because they don't look TV or watch TV all day. They are not parented by Facebook all day. Nothing against social media. I use it. But the thing is, I mean, I haven't, I have never in my life bought a television. I really never have because I was in an apartment or the, it already was there. So I used it, but I haven't bought one in my life. So last time I moved into an apartment where we had a TV, it was my ex-husband's TV. Once he moved out, the TV was gone and I purposely never bought another one. And my daughter always knows how to spend her time. She likes crafts. Now she's into FEMO and she's, crafting little objects every day and painting and they find what to do and sometimes she comes and says mom you're not doing anything with me and then I say yeah it's true okay 
So, and it even it's hard for me sometimes because she's always doing some stuff so i don't think about activities but it's not let's not overcomplicate it they they want you to be there without complication and to be emotionally available that's very important i want to that it's one of the things you just said that i want to key in on you reminded me earlier one of when the kids were <clears throat> excuse me they were going to a therapist early in like er, the first few years like the first year maybe even the divorce wasn't done i don't know my, my youngest came up to me and said you know Daddy, I want my 15 minutes. And I'm like, what are you, 15 minutes? What are you talking about? Well, the therapist said that you guys have to, you know, mom and dad have to spend 15 minutes um, with, uh, you know, doing whatever we want. And I was like, I'm like, huh. And I, th I thought about it. I'm like, 15 minutes isn't that long. <laughs> I'm like, all that's, right. That's not you know, a lot, no. I, I, I mean, but, but the thing was, and I did it with all of them. It's like, okay, what do you want to do? You know, all right, fine. And, and I would just, whatever, whenever that would come up, I would stop it. I would set a timer and it's like, okay, for 15 minutes, we are, if we're playing a game, I mean, especially with the youngest one, I mean, she would like, okay, I'm going to be a dog, you know, and you're going to be a shop owner or, you know, or whatever. And it's like, okay, set the timer. We would do it. And it was, it was a structured time thing, but it worked out really well. Uh, I didn't, I had forgotten about that it until does. you mentioned that. Yeah. I was going to say yeah, that. Yeah, it, it is actually. And I would say just on that, what I think was, which, which is phenomenal or which is really interesting or what I liked about this is oftentimes when it's like, Hey, you know, do something with me. Well, do something with me can turn into two hours if there's not a hard break. Right. But if you have it set up to where it's like, okay, we'll do this 15 minute thing. You do our time minute or whatever, you know, whatever you can do. And, uh, I mean, it's a start stop. It's like, okay, I'll take a break from what I'm working on or doing work or whatever. And we'll do this. And, uh, anyways, I just, I thought of that. Uh, the one other thing I just wanted to dovetail on with that as well is what I tried to do with my, my kids is like find things that they wanted to do. Like some of the people who are on my channel know I've been doing this camping thing with my youngest. And when that idea came up, I mean, obviously it was something I was even like, you know, Hey, I want to do this by myself too. But I had actually asked my youngest, I'm like, Hey, are you interested in camping? And it's like, Oh Yeah. It's like, are you, re you know, and I was kind of like, seriously. And, and it's one of, I mean, she sends me TikToks now of, of camping type stuff. It's like, I know that she's like, Hey, you know, don't forget about the camping thing. So I think it's, it's, it's important to find something that you both are in, well, either that they're interested in and you can tolerate or that you're both interested. Yes. And you don't necessarily want it to be just like, well, Hey, I'm going to do this and you can come along um, and you can conform, but just because then that actually shows that you're actually interested in what they're what they're interested in or are developing their interests as well, right? Yes. And another thing I can recommend to every parent out there who says I have teenagers and I want them to to know that I'm there and at the same time, you know, let them grow up and not be, you know, into everything they do. Um, you need to have meals with your children sitting on a table once a day. Because if you don't do that, you lose all that time for communication, for what have I done today? Look, this child has said this to me, or I'm not happy with this teacher, or I'm not feeling that good lately. And there, is, there was even a bunch of very serious studies that revealed that children who do have meals with their parents at home, eating calmly, you know, making, paying attention to the food and to the people, they had better wording and conversation than other kids that eat alone or in front of the TV. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> oh, 
Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so, no. Um, not even that. I mean, they were communicating really, really well with the parents, and it was a ritual for them that they can be, you know, half an hour, even an hour, if you like in some European countries, do two courses and dessert and drink something and make a few jokes. And, you know, consider that the last research in the UK was like the average time parents spent with their kids at home, quality time was 45 minutes a day. And that's like nothing wow. for small children. And, and that's already one activity you can do where your kids know like, oh, now it's the eating time and they know they can talk to you. That's awesome. That's funny. I, it's, I, and I actually, you mentioned that. That's something that we've, uh, uh, now that the kids are older, I mean, my, my youngest is 15, but that's what we always did. I mean, it was like dinner time. We do it at the table. TV was off. Uh, you know, I mean, and I just kind of thought that was normal. I didn't realize a lot of people don't do that. That's crazy. No, and it's really sad. And yeah, and I know that especially in the UK and also in America, I, I know because I mean, people always know, oh, she's European. What does she know? But I mean, I love doing research. I love talking to people. And you even see it sometimes if you watch an American show, you see far more people in American sitcoms or shows saying, oh, kids, the dinner is here. You can come and grab a plate and go. Yeah. In most European countries, that's not really common. You know, and families who do that are, you normally say, oh my God, they don't even sit down with the kids, you know, or the mother doesn't even cook anything or the father, you know, we still sometimes, yeah, if, if somebody wants to come along now and say, well, women are not always expected to cook. No, I mean, my boyfriend is a professional chef. He's way better than I am at making food. But I think if you're with your kid alone at home, like I was, you have to be able to make some food for your kids and sit down and eat it. And if you're never doing that, you should check on your priorities, I think. And it helps a lot. It's a big yeah. exercise to say, what three or four priorities do I really have? And do they benefit my kids and me or not? And which things could I start doing differently? And which things or habits should I really stop? Because they're not helping. And with teenagers, especially to, to pass review every now and then, because children are changing so fast, isn't it, at that age? So oh, yeah. you can like review every two weeks, like, oh, come on, now she's doing this. And two weeks before she wasn't, and maybe this is not important to her anymore. And that's also something daughters get quite angry or offended when they see the fathers or mothers do not know much about them. Mm. Like, oh, you think I still like this? I don't like this anymore. You know, you never talk to me. And kids really interpret it that way. They need the actions more than the words. I mean, you know that as a yeah. dad, they, they look at what you do. They understand far better than you think. But at the same time, we cannot let them make all decisions because that's why they're kids. They need us to do it. So that's very important for the dads. Not only in my opinion, I mean, it doesn't work well if they don't fully step in and say, look, I can't be the popular cool dad all the time who does what you want or pleases you, sometimes I need to take this hour that is going to be stressful because you don't like me because I said, no, we're going to do this now. That, that rolls right into yeah. another question that I had that someone had and I'll pull it up and it says, how do you put in, how do you put a plan in place or make a firm decision when the kids don't want to do it and not come across like a, a, a narc yourself or basically the bad parent? I mean, so how, what are some techniques to 
set in those firm decisions with your child? Um, well, I guess it's difficult if you've not always done it like that, that your children are not used to you maybe following through or being super assertive. Then, of course, it's a problem because then you have already a habit there that is not working in you in your favor and you need to like re-educate them on that and say, look, I know that till today um, I have allowed certain things, but it's not good. And I actually have uh, a few new rules now and things I'm going to do this way. And you need to stick to those rules because I'm the adult. I need to take care of you guys. So there is things I'm not going to let you decide. And if they say, well, but I don't want to do what you want. Just stay really calm and say, look, I don't really care if you like everything I decide. It's normal that children sometimes don't agree with what parents decide, but that's part of this life, that you're not going to like everything I do. But you know what? I'd rather tell you, yes, we're going to do this now than to be the nice parent all the time saying yes to everything. And later we have more problems because you weren't used to follow anything yeah. or to do something maybe for a few minutes that isn't that comfortable. And then you get to like things. This is how you get to like new things by sometimes sticking to a role the parents make. And first of all, if you're afraid of being the bad parent, you've lost already. That's it's a... not being a bad parent. It's not being cool all the time. You don't need to be a friend to your kids all the time. So you have like a fan club in the home. Honestly, um, you need to be the parent that they see will do everything, even if it's uncomfortable or making him look bad to ensure that they have a good development and that they're well adjusted and prepared for the next stage of life. So I would talk very openly. I mean, my daughter is super stubborn. She always knew what she wanted. You can't fool her with anything. She's 11. She's terribly smart. She was at two already. I mean, at two, if she said, mom, are we going to pick the blue flowers tomorrow? And I said, oh, yes. And next day, I mean, next day she would ask me, you said we were going to pick the blue flowers. And I said, oh, well, but there aren't any blue ones. We can pick the red ones. No, I want the blue ones. I mean, you couldn't make her go anywhere. It was very difficult, but still there. Pressure doesn't work. I agree. So what I do now sometimes is tell her, like, look, do you agree that if you always say no to what I say, later when you ask me to do certain things you want, I can say no too. So we both do the same. How does this work for you? Yeah, basically. Says, well, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> teach him a teach him to compromise. And I just wanted to to hit on a, a point that you made. If you said a, a lot through that, is the follow through. It's so important to be consistent and follow through with what you're going to say. Which yeah. which also means be really. I mean, one when you have a punishment or whenever there's a consequence, you have to follow through with it. If you say, you know, yeah. hey, you need to go to bed or else. There better be an or else, because if you train the kid that you never follow through with anything, it will blow up in your face. You're a joke. Yeah. And then the second, yeah. and the second part is, is if you say you're going to do something, I mean, obviously I know life interferes with things, but you know, don't overcommit. It's like what, like what, like at work when you say, you know, under or what, uh, under commit and over perform or whatever. It's like, you know, make sure that the expectation is low and over, uh, over, uh, overcommit or overperform for the thing. I, okay. That wasn't, I just, what I'm trying to say is if you say you're going to be someplace, be there. 
If you say I'm going to be at your game, yeah. be at the game. If you say you're going to be at this school function, I, I get sometimes you can't. And every once in a while there's an excuse. But but you you need that to be the anomaly, not not that, you know, nine times out of ten you don't show up. So they're always sitting there looking at the door wondering if you're going to be there. So, yeah. Well, yeah, that that's very important. And with this, I can actually come back for just you know now to to the thing that i mostly am involved with when it comes to fathers that don't live with their daughters especially or they see that you know still see them after a separation or divorce but they don't see them that often the relationship is suffering or they have been away even for years but don't do very well at maintaining that relationship it's so important in those cases especially actually the same than if you live with them but I know it from myself and other daughters where the fathers are not there and they promise them, I'm going to call you this day or we're going to go for a walk and an ice cream this day. If you let a child waiting for hours on the phone for you to call um, and you don't, that's very bad. That leaves a scar. It's like a cup that they have. And every time you do, don't put that attention and love in and it stays half empty, Later on, they try to fill that cup with, any, with something else that isn't healthy, probably, because you didn't fill that cup correctly. And one of the, let's say, little balls or hearts or bubbles that has got to fill that virtual cup or emotional cup is actually that, the attention, the commitment, that you do what you say, because that shows them love and that you care and that you respect their wishes and your, the things you talk about. And when people tell me always that, like, oh, I don't know what my daughter wants. I do everything she wants to do. She doesn't respect you more because you do everything she wants. Yeah. She needs you to be an authority figure that shows love also through his actions. She doesn't need a dog who, who, who she can train to do whatever she wants. Seriously. I mean, I know it sounds ugly, but many daughters don't respect their fathers in their teenage years because they see he doesn't follow through. He takes the easy way. He does keep me happy. He thinks with something different, so he doesn't need to do certain things. And um, yeah, and that shows her, or she thinks at least, he doesn't care that much. Otherwise, he would put more of his effort in it. And we need to understand this. The children do not judge things the way we do. They often have a different way of perceiving them. And there is a nice example. When I was nine, I had a a classmate who was very conflictive. I mean, the guy was super hyperactive and was always running around, never did what we told him. I mean, the, 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 it was a challenge, you know, challenging child for the teachers, but a very bright boy actually. And I know his parents had more children and little resources and he was a lot on the street playing and doing his own thing. And I remember telling my mom, you know, this boy, Chavi, I think his parents don't like him very much because he's allowed to do everything all the time that he wants. That's just when you said that, I was just thinking about how sad that is. I mean, but that makes sense, right? I mean, yes. and I can see how kids could start lashing out because it's like, pay attention to me. Okay. If I, if I start doing bad things, will you pay attention to me now? I mean, if, if the kids, yes. yeah, I mean, that's a really that's a really great point. It's weird how that man, how you can see the manifestation of, of this in that. And I was very astute that you saw that. Hey, I wanted to ask you another question. Uh, cause oftentimes, oftentimes, um, 
fathers have limited time with their kids, right? I mean, either it could be as little as even just a couple of hours every couple of weeks that you get to spend with them, you know, or maybe it's, you know, if it's standard visitation where you only get a weekend or a couple of weekends a month, how do you, would you recommend to maximize that time to help you build a strong relationship when you don't have that constant reoccurring, you know, daily interaction? I mean, what's your advice on that? Um, consistency, a lot of consistency. It can be really simple and consistency. I mean, um, I even had in my family, I have a half sister who is seven years younger than me. So I could see everything and remember everything actually that happened since she was born. And her dad also didn't really commit to my mom, didn't stay, didn't pay child support, didn't really, you know, take responsibility. But the guy managed to have a really good relationship with his daughter on a more than like 2000 kilometer distance. I don't know how much that is in miles for you guys, but you know, pre low cost flights in, in Europe, you needed to drive 24 hours to get there with the car. So um, yeah, 24 hours at least if you wanted to spend the night somewhere in between. And, but he did call her every, every Sunday, I remember her, he spent that money, international calls in the 90s, to oh, wow. call half an hour, her daughter, every Sunday. The guy was, you know, the guy was such a pain in the ass for everyone else. But for her daughter, he made all the effort, you know, and he succeeded. He came to visit her like once a year, you know, took her for a week out every day on vacation. I mean, we lived in a place in Spain where you could go and where people came to holidays. So was a beautiful place she could just come and pick her up and go to the beach or whatever um when he she was a bit older he took her with him whenever she could have a week that he could take her he would send her gifts nothing too expensive nothing too fancy normal gifts attention a little letter pictures you know in packages he would send per mail and i remember seeing those packages and i was never getting any from my dad but she was getting some and I saw the difference that it made for her, that her dad was some way always present and the guy wasn't there. So the thing is, you can do it. You need something simple that you can stick to all the time. So I'm not a fan of um, people who say, oh, I only see my daughter a weekend every month. So that weekend I need to do like everything. And the kids end up being super stressed out. Then the fathers feel bad because the daughter didn't like all the activities that he spent so much time organizing and paying for it. Your kids don't need money to show love. They don't need it. Money doesn't parent and love your kids. It just gives security, mobility. But that's really pretty much it. But because otherwise, poor parents, how could they give, be good parents if it's all about gifts and fancy activities? It's not that way. So install her those values that i love you and i show you by being there always as much as i can we have our rituals kids love rituals and consistency it's that simple so stick to those things don't make up complicated things or schedules you cannot follow through again for a yeah. long time because it's her life and children see the immediate thing they cannot look six months forward so do things you can stick to and don't make it about money, about looking very good that weekend because now she's here, I need to do everything. No, you don't need to. She just wants you to pay attention to her. So don't invite a girlfriend that maybe she doesn't know. Don't make her go to places where you will be busy all the time. 
but of course yeah include her in stuff maybe where there is more people where she can you know be also with you but um that's i think very important like consistency things you can do you can show that you're committed that that's you know non-negotiable those things we do and it doesn't need to be extraordinary kids don't need extraordinary i want to add it yeah they don't that's a great point one of the things i want to just bring up and and i was going to actually someone asked this and i was going to ask this myself and basically say until a dumb parent keeps the gift from the kid so what about in situations where because that happens a lot right especially with a toxic uh, a toxic ex you'll send that gift and it'll it'll either come back to you or the parent will never give it to the child what uh what would you recommend in a situation when you have a, another parent who's actively trying to destroy that relationship and i think in you know in, in your regard what you're talking about is somebody who's actually encouraging or does want a relationship what can you do whenever you 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 have somebody who's actively fighting against you yeah those are the most let's say the most <laughs> severe cases that i have whenever i have a father that i help actively in a coaching agreement um if they deal with this kind of alienation and abusive and negative behavior, it's one of the most severe scenarios and very hard sometimes to go through that. Also for me, because I of course want to help improvement. Um, well, I don't want anyone to misinterpret this now because again, I cannot talk for 100% of those dads who have that trouble, but always it helps to go up to a bird perspective because often you cannot do that as a as the father who's struggling it's very difficult to get a bird perspective try to go up and say well which things can i do that can work right now and which things don't make sense right now because it's only disappointment because they obviously don't work and if they're out of my control because i can't make that package reach my daughter then i need to change the approach or not send the package at all for now and look for a different option. Um, it always depends. If they live very far away and you need the mail to send the send things or FedEx or you know, UPS or whatever it is in there where you live, um, of course you cannot control if the mother is gonna keep it or send it back. I don't know how things work if you have a custody or visitation arrangement, some kind of arrangement where you maybe can go the legal way and say, look, this is for my daughter and it's actually you know just the gift i don't put anything dangerous in it um how can we make her actually give her those gifts i know it maybe sounds stupid to you guys when you say oh my god i've tried it all and she just doesn't if it just doesn't work then maybe for now you don't need to send anything because to, i mean it's it's a nice thing but your daughter will not love you any less just because you don't send packages because you know they're not going to get there um you can try calls. What if the wife doesn't, or the ex-wife doesn't let me call? I know it's very difficult if the other parent, the mom blocks everything. I don't wanna give very specific advice here because it would be too, too risky, I guess, because I don't know the specific circumstances. Often to make those dynamics turn or to change it, there is some work to be done on yourself first not that you're to blame or that you're the one that that something is wrong with you no but if the dynamic is so sick it often can't be healed where it was created 
No, I, I don't know if this makes sense. No, no, it, it does. Really going I, yeah, yeah. Deep. I no, I, and I I think that the main thing you're saying and I, that it was taken away from what you're saying is is that okay, look at try to take a more objective look at it. Try different things to see if something else works. And if you're thwarted at every means, you know, try different things and and maybe going back to court and saying, "Hey, look, this is a problem." Um, to try to do it. But I, I, I like, I know you're right. I mean, it's like you, you got to take more of an objective view and not so focus on, on the moment or the battle at the, at the, uh, of the day and, and realize what can you actually accomplish. I think that's what you were saying. So, yes. And, and I know I can't go really into specifics because yeah. it would be too brave maybe for, for a father who says, well, but she doesn't know half of it. I've tried all that. It doesn't work or, or she doesn't know. But the thing also is, um, you know, I've had a dad who actually went through the school to his daughter's school and said, look, we have were separated with her mom. Oh, nice idea. Um, you know, separations can be very rocky. And I'm very interested in knowing about my daughter's well-being, not on the academics, really, because I know she will manage. But I'm very interested in knowing how she is, because there is something called parental alienation that is common yeah. for some psychologists and specialists. But it's not that popular. And there is this movie, Erasing Family, that we discussed, and he gave it to the teacher and he said, would you watch this with teachers who are interested? So maybe you know if there's children going through this, how you can help them better. And there is, by the way, this letter that I need my daughter to get, and they're not getting to her. And I want her to learn that letters are personal, that it's even illegal, you know, to take somebody else's letters and open them if they're not directed to you. And it's very important information. I need my daughter to have it. Can you please make sure she gets it and opens it without interference? Would you do that for her? Because it's not for me, it's for her. That's and awesome. if they say, well, but I don't want to interfere, you can say, well, I'm the father. Maybe I don't have, you know, of course, if you don't have any custody or you have a restraining order, I understand the teachers when they right, say, right. look, I cannot do anything here. But you can tell them like, look, what would you do if it was your kid? What could you, is there something you could do without interfering or without getting in the way as a teacher? Yeah. And, and he actually found a, a teacher that was willing to watch the documentary Erasing Family. And they were astonished because they didn't know. And they started to say, well, now we understand better, you know, why some dads are not taking part in the, the activities and, they seem like gone, but then we see them again and the children are a bit disturbed when they appear. You know, you can do it in a, in a, in a constructive way, like just asking for some collaboration in the favor of your child. I mean, that means talking about it more, not yeah. hiding it from the people. That's a, a very important point, you know, because it's yeah. not your shame if the child is alienated. It's the other side's shame and you shouldn't be ashamed you can talk about it openly without attacking the other party and then if something happens they're going to say well but this gentleman came here very interested in his daughter's well-being you know nothing negative so on I that this helps no no it does it does and uh just for everyone knows what we since we started late we ran this a little bit late but we're pretty much at a at a hard break so we're gonna have to go so yana thank you so much for hanging out with us um i will de leave uh links for all your stuff uh in the show notes so please check her stuff out uh remember primarily go to to instagram to see the more interactive content and thanks thank you so much for thank hanging you. out with us today i appreciate it 
So on that, thank you. I'm very happy that you guys that that, that you actually invited me to do this. No, um, thank you so much for having me, guys. Thank you for the questions. I love the interaction. Thank you. So on that, guys. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I appreciate it. I also want to thank the channel members who help keep the phone lines and everything going. Uh, just this might be one of those other shows to come back and listen to again. And uh, we might uh, we might have to have Yana on again. I saw a couple of people ask that. So on that, have a great rest of your day. And we'll see you on Monday.